backstage with Pastor Mike Adkins. We're doing something we've never done before. We are about to go out in front of a live audience to record the podcast. We've got 300 young adults out there. We are so excited. Packed house. Packed house. We are talking today about something that affects all of our lives. It is the reason we feel pain. It is what messes up our relationships. We are going to hear this guy give us wisdom (laughs) in real time. You ready? I am ready. I'm Jean Harrison, and this is Grace After Hours Live. Let's go. This is a new experience for us. It is. It's a new. It's our first live version of the After yeah, Hours podcast. We got 300 young adults in here. Y'all make some noise. Wow. wow. I okay. love that. We are talking today about something that affects all of us. We're talking about sin. And actually, you guys inspired a lot of this episode. Um, (laughs) Not because you're big sinners. Because because we got feedback from a lot of people in this room and also online to ask us questions. You asked all your burning questions that they want you to answer. Well, I'm ready. I'm ready. But the topic we kind of came around was this concept of sin, and I'm going to jump straight in, okay? This is an actual question that was written in from someone, a 20-something, but it applies to all of us. Pastor Mike, how do you deal with guilt and shame from sin? Oh, I mean, it's a great question, you guys, uh, because it's something that all of us deal with at one time or another. I guess I'm going to start by making distinctions between guilt and shame and conviction, So these are three different things in the Bible. Um, First of all, what you need to know is guilt is feeling bad about something you've done, okay? Shame is taking that feeling bad about something that you've done and turning it into feeling bad that you're a bad person. Mm. So the first one is about what we do. The second one is about what we are. And then the third one is conviction. And the Bible says that these three things can look very similar to one another. So the question becomes like, how do I know when I'm being convicted by God for something that he wants me to change in my life, or if I'm just walking in guilt, or has it gotten to the level of shame? And basically, here's what the Bible says. There are two types of conviction, a kind of conviction that leads to life and a kind of conviction that leads to death. And so you will know whether or not God is working in you in conviction very clearly, and here's how. If on the other side of that conviction, uh, Matt may be masquerading as guilt, you feel worse and you feel further away from God, and that propels you away from God, that's not conviction. That is, that's guilt and shame. And so the Bible teaches us that there is no condemnation anymore for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you can feel free not to do that, but many of us just punish ourselves with guilt and shame all the time. We run around in our head going, why did I do that thing? Why did I fall short of that standard? But really what we're supposed to have is conviction. What conviction does for us is it shows us God's love for us by the Holy Spirit convicting us of of something that we're doing, and then encouraging us to walk in his ways. So when you come out of conviction, you want to be more like Jesus. When you come out of conviction, you want to take a step towards him, not a step away from him. So when you find those two different things happening in your life, if it's away from Jesus, it's not God. If it's Mm -hmm. toward Jesus, it is God. Make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, that's awesome. I love the distinction. You know, I think a lot of the heart maybe behind shame um, has to do with the consequences of sin sometimes that go on and on. So I was talking to someone recently um, who told me, I'd never heard this before. She said, sometimes I feel really jealous of people like my husband, Pastor Clint, 
And you have a similar story. She's like, it feels like they, you know, live this crazy rebellious life. They did all the sinful things. And then that yeah, your husband like, is the worst. He's sinner. the worst. He's the worst all. sinner I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Just terrible, <laughs> godless things. And then it's like you fast forward and it's like he is a great he's a great family. He's yeah. like in ministry. And she's like, it almost feels like he got out unscathed. And yeah. um, this particular person gave me permission to talk yeah. about this, but she said, so in her season of rebellion, she contracted an incurable STD. Uh-huh. And she was like, yeah, I'm forgiven, but I'm going to deal with that my whole life. Like when it comes to shame, it's like sometimes there's sins that, you know, I could be a selfish person. I can grow past that. But what about a sin that a a choice I make, I can't ever go back and change it. It's going to impact me. And now I have this shame. What would you, I mean, you have a similar story to Clint's, like you did all these things. And I think I never thought this. I was way better than Clint though. I mean, that guy's. (laughs) But people could look at you and go, he, just, he got out unscathed. Yeah. But here, I've got all this baggage. Well, let's define unscathed because I think sometimes when, uh, like in my story, you can go, well, he's up here teaching people about the Bible. Right. The church is growing. Great Good wife, great kids. Great yes. wife, great family. But I did not come out unscathed. Um, I mean, I, I carry around things on the inside of me sometimes that still break my heart. You know, mm, I mean, still? I had a... Oh, yeah. I mean, and I've told this story before in uh, in church, and I've only told it a couple of times uh, because it's such a such a core pain in my life. But when I was 17, my high school girlfriend got pregnant and uh, and it was it was rough. Um, My family was not Christian. We weren't Christians. But there was something inside of me that was like, we're going to keep that child and, and, mm-hmm. and, and move that in that direction. So you knew she was pregnant? Like she, she came and told me she was pregnant. But then, like five days later, she came back and said, um, false alarm. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, thank God. And then, and then um, fast forward a year later, we're still together. We were together for almost four years. And she comes and she says, you know, um, we, we were just hanging out. And the Lord speaks to me and says, she terminated the pregnancy. And so I just said it to her. I said, hey. Were you a believer at this point? I'd just become a Christian. Oh, okay. And so at that moment, um, the Lord said that to me. And I said to her, hey, this, I know this is weird. But, and I know you're, you don't think the same way that I do about faith. But I feel like God just told me this. Is that true? And she broke down in tears and said, yeah. My parents thought it was the right thing to just lie and then just, you know, get rid of it and move on. And I will... I will carry that with me for the rest of my life. You know, there is, there are some choices that you make in life and they do walk with you forever. But I will say this, that no matter what has happened and what enduring circumstance or consequence that you have in your life right now, your heart can change even if your circumstances can't. And the Lord is the one who is always in the background healing and restoring and healing and restoring. I think while there are certain things that will never be taken away, if you attend this church, you know, I talk about this a little bit during communion, but one day we'll all stand before this holy, perfect God and he will heal us of the things that, you know, medicine wouldn't heal, um, counseling wouldn't heal, stuff that we have to bear throughout this life. And then the Father will take it and he will wipe the slate clean. And we will be forgiven once and for all forever. And for me, what gives me hope on this side of life because of that 
is the idea that I have three kids right now. I have four kids. And I get to meet that child one day in the kingdom of light. Until that day, I long for the day in which I get to see her, him, her. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Mike. I, I, I knew that. I've never heard all that. I've never heard that whole story. Um, it is funny how people sometimes look at pastors and they, you, you draw a narrative, a conclusion. Like, sure. oh, he's got it all together. He must never feel <laughs> deep, deep pain, remorse, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, let me flip the script a minute. So we're talking about sins we commit. How do we get past that? But what about sins people commit against us? One of the questions we Those got. Those suckers have to pay. Yeah. <laughs> Vengeance, right? That's it. Next question. Um, so we actually did one of the questions that was probably the heaviest question we got. But this is what I love about this is we, we yeah. want to talk about real things, like yeah. honest things. Um, where well, else? And, and, if you, and if you don't and we just skate along the surface, it never really helps anyone, you know, because this is the things that your friends are struggling with. People around you are struggling with. Yes. We need, we need to have an answer. A hundred percent. I want to read you this question and we don't have to address it directly, but in thinking about sins committed against us, um, someone asked, how do you reconcile a biblical view of sex after being raped? And here's what I really want to ask you in a general sense. You know, we obviously have not all the time in the world, but you are, you were a counselor before Mm -hmm. being a pastor, but thinking about sins committed against us, whether they're big like this or any kind of injustice on any scale, what do you do with that? So I guess, um, well, first, I guess you're going to start with what the Bible says. The Bible says that vengeance is God's, right? So, so the reason why vengeance is God's, and, and, and that's a kind of an amazing thought when you start thinking about it, because when you have to carry this thing and you're like, I'm going to get back at them and you're consumed by it and you're just, you're like, I'm going to put them here and I'm going to be here. And we just go through that whole like mental gymnastics that we do, those little stories we tell ourselves, just, you know, conversations we wish we would have had. All that stuff is very diminishing to us. But I think the thing that, you know, that helps is when the Bible says that God's vengeance is his, it means that no one's going to get away with anything. It means that you're always going to be taken care of. God will straighten out the circumstances one day. But when I think of, when I think of people doing wrong to us, a lot of what we believe as Christians is counterintuitive, meaning it's not the first thing that you would think. I mean, Jesus had people do terrible things to him. We hung him on a cross, and he willingly surrendered his life and died. And so what we learn from the cross is that sometimes in persecution, you have to lose for a season mm. before you are raised to new life in another season. That's really good. You know? And I'll give you examples of that in my, my wife's life. We've been hurt by the church. And if you're in the church long enough, you will be hurt by the church. Um, first of all, it's led by imperfect people. Um, it is, is, is uh, attended by imperfect people. And sometimes people collide. But What's happened to us, our last ministry, it was really challenging. In fact, when we left the last ministry, I was thinking about going back to medical school and, and doing that whole thing and leaving ministry altogether. And then God got hold of us and was like, no, no, if you do this, this is disobedience. So we continued to have almost like forced, if you will, to mm-hmm. be continuing ministry. But what's happened over time is that I had like a series of guys who were unkind to us on the way out. And now two of those guys serve in this church and came back 20 years later and we're like, we blew it. We're really, really sorry. And 
pastors that were part of that church now attend this church. And we have this saying at home, and it's time and truth run hand in hand. And what that means is that you might have to lose in the short run when people say something something bad about you, um, and you can't prove it, you 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 just look bad. But you know in your heart you've done the right thing. Sometimes you're going to lose for a season until God resurrects that season. And part of what he's done in our life is he's brought those people back to say, we're really sorry. Now, you can do one of two things when someone comes back and says, sorry, and you say, too late, pal, right? And that's the flesh response. That, I mean, and, and can we just say that that's valid? Like, there's, there's going to be a part of us that's going to be like, I don't care what you think. You're going to come back 20 years later? Don't do that. And the reason for that is because it diminishes you, Right? So now I've got these two people who actually lead in this ministry, and they were in the room when they fired me from my last ministry position. And they came back and said, I'm really sorry. We did the wrong thing. And yeah, it feels good. And I'm not saying that every time someone does the wrong thing to you that they're going to be able to come back and say sorry. But I will say, God will vindicate your character over time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. So... Really quick, if you just want to hit on this for a second, um, we've talked about sins we commit, sins committed against us. If there's, I mean, if we're honest, there's some of us living in active sin right now in this room. Like, how, what is something, a st- <laughs> what is it, a step we could take? Um, we're always talking about next steps to not fall back into sin. Or if I'm someone who I've, I'm just beginning to try to get it. And one of the questions that broke my heart was someone who kind of said, how do I know I haven't messed up my life? A lot like the first yeah. one, which even the way that's worded, it's yeah. like you really can't mess it up forever yeah. with how who God is. So can you speak to that a moment? Like someone who's wanting to take a step out of sin, feeling like they've messed up their life. You know, I think uh, one of, we're, you know, we're in this series right now. We're talking about spiritual warfare. And one of the things that is uh, so powerful in the devil's toolbox is his great lies. He's a terrible, he's a great, great liar. And these, ter- and these terrible lies that come to us, come to us, they twist up things. One of the biggest ways that the Satan lies to us is when we fall down, even if we did it intentionally, mm-hmm. he comes behind that and he goes, see, you're a loser and you're never going to be the right Christian. And it's some form of that where he basically says you should just give up. And the crazy thing about it is our own brains kick in sometimes to go, yeah, I do have evidence for that. I have done this thing over and over and over and over and over again. So maybe he's right. Maybe I should just give up. And that's the last thing that you should do. The call to come back is always repentance. It is, the word repentance means to turn away. And sometimes all we have to do, like sometimes here's what you have to get to. You have to, have, you have to pray, God, I want to want to do the right thing. I want to want to do the right thing, which means I don't want to do the right thing right now. But God, I need a heart to want to do, to want to want to do the right thing. And and we begin there. We begin with honesty. And you tell your father everything. Here's what I've done. Here's how it's fallen short. That's not for him. That's for you. Because when you are talking to him like that, you're saying, here's what I did. These are the things that I thought. This is how it felt. These are, these are the things that were run through my mind. When you do that, it just gets this stuff out. And on the other side of that confession... The father's not in the background going, I don't care. That's 50 times you've done that thing. That's 100 times you've done that thing. It's 1,000 times. I'm going to destroy you now. That's not what we do. This side of heaven, you have forgiveness every time you reach out. And that's the great crazy news of the gospel. Like if you had a friend that did that to you 100 times, you'd be like, bro, I'm out. 
You know, like we would cut that friendship off. Yeah, five times. And, 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 and honestly, dang, okay. I just... <laughs> I'm on number three. Fool me once. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on number three, I think. Uh, yeah, fool me two once. More chances, two right? more chances. You got two more chances, But uh, no, I mean, I do. I think, I think there's a real sense in which we think um, our failure is the point. Our failure keeps us sometimes closer to Jesus. Mm, I love that. Okay, we, yeah, y'all can clap. <laughs> That's great. We're going to do some quick rapid fires now. And okay. you, um, these came from these people, so I'm just saying that to it's you. It's your fault. What is a trend you hope never makes a comeback? Um, High-waisted li- pants. Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Gosh. You, you thought I said the devil is good. I was, man. High-waisted pants. You know, they were, they were around. It's funny. You'll get this, but you're just too young to get this right now. My parents used to wear those. And then it went out in my generation. We went. We were the low waisted people. Yes. No. And, I yeah. hear you. And then, uh, real and, low waisted. And then, like, it'll come back with your kids, and you'll be like, "Dear God." <laughs> okay. If you this is my favorite. One. <laughs> if you if you join the Spice Girls, what would your Spice name be? <laughs> Audience participation. Anybody? Yeah, I need a, I need help with this one. What, what? is it? What what? <laughs> They won't repeat it. They won't repeat it. It was that bad. Pepper. Pepper. Pepper his, Mike. His pepper salt Mike. and pepper beard. Pepper what? spice. Pepper, pepper spice. spice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Holy I spice. I am definitely not going to be holy spice. I like it. Okay. Holy <laughs> spice. What superpower would you not want? What I telling the truth all the time. Oh. Uh. Yeah. Can you no? Can you imagine? Can you can can you imagine? <laughs> Do these pants look good? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be awful. True. Would you rather fight Ronald McDonald or the Burger King? I'm so terrified of the Burger King. <laughs> I mean, that is the gross. Who thought, who was sitting in a boardroom and thought, let's make this normal? <laughs> it is awful. So definitely Ronald McDonald. Okay. Um, I'm tear that clown up. This would. <laughs> Just this question, I'm like, man, okay, if you were given an elephant that you couldn't give away or sell, what would you do with it? Give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's number four on my uh, list. Mike, you got one more. Okay. Okay. What would you bring to a potluck? Um, w- um, what would I bring to a potluck? <laughs> He's like, my Kelly. wife. My <laughs> wife. <laughs> That's exactly what I would bring. Oh, man. Okay. What <laughs> subject did you struggle with the most in high school and why? <sighs> What subject? Um, probably math. Oh, um, me too, man. Yeah, math. How many people don't like math? Raise your hands. <laughs> yeah, our, our country's in trouble. <laughs> when, when we have to build bridges in your generation, they're all just going to collapse everywhere, and it's going to be terrible. Okay. Yeah, I didn't like it either. I, I don't know. I did have to take a lot of it because I was pre-med in college and yeah. physics and chemistry and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Be a do- do you know yeah. my funniest fact about Mike? He performed a hysterectomy on a cat. Did you True know story. that? True story. In medical in co- school, yeah, right? Yeah, or something. Well, in, in college. And, uh, and the cat lived. She was fine. It was <laughs> great. It was a very interesting thing. You had but to the actual that. funnier thing that it is that it's in the 1980s, I was a hair model for Vidal no. Sassoon. True story. I had some righteous hair, man. And and here's here's the crazy thing about it. Every once in a while, I feel it on my I feel it on my head. It's, it's like you know how like you get they a say when you cut limb. phantom limb. Oh, no. 
I got phantom hair. Phantom hair. Okay, well, um, Holy Spice, thank you so much for being with us tonight. It's been great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Grace After Hours is a production of Grace Church in Orlando, Florida. Grace's mission is helping people take their next step toward Christ. Learn more at discovergrace.com. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with someone you know and subscribe so you never miss an episode.